0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by insidethepenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. I'm in a disclo- undisclosed location at the at the moment for this episode, but uh we'll be back in the home studio tomorrow for Iceberg to Go, but Horwat, we have one week until the start of the NHL season. This preseason you know the hockey games have been fun. They've been entertaining. Yesterday, the Nova Scotia showdown was a nice change of pace. But one week from today, we get down to to brass tacks and get to the actual action games that have two points on the line. I'm excited for that.
2: Yeah, it's it, this this preseason has felt kind of fast, but it helps that you know there's been uh, there was a fun weekend for the team. You know, got to spend it yeah. in a non traditional location. A lot of good moments for the team, a lot of good moments for Sidney Crosby. Even if it was a preseason game, you felt like there was a little more emphasis on this one specifically. You wanted to come out on top for the sake of um, Crosby, his friends, his family, and the I almost said the country, but the province of Nova Scotia <laughs> and the uh, city of Halifax and the area of Cole Harbor. You wanted it all to go well for uh, Crosby and the Penguins, and regardless of the game, it did. It was a ton of... Uh, good stuff to see the team do all weekend long Um, a lot of great team bonding stuff and you know you don't take you usually don't take you know give uh takeaways you don't usually don't have too many takeaways from preseason games other than maybe this player did this thing or Mm -hmm. uh, that's really about it just what this player did specifically because the team usually isn't trying as a whole but boy oh boy uh we can get to the power play at some point that uh needs to be worked on quickly But yeah,
0: it does need to get worked on quickly, but we'll discuss it. Yeah. And but aside from,
2: yeah, it'll be discussed plenty. But aside from the power play, you know, it was uh, it was a good week. And aside from also getting shut out, maybe that that hurts, too. But
0: yeah, a lot of people I saw comparing it to when Andrew WK was in attendance (laughs) at the Penguins game. Because, you know, his song Party Hard is the Penguins' goal song and they got shut out. I I liken it more towards, because of the Crosby angle, when they played on his birthday, the first and only time they will ever play on Sidney Crosby's birthday, and they got shut out and eliminated by the 24-seed Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Yeah, a a very Penguins thing to do, uh, obviously joking, because they're a historically great franchise in the NHL, but a very Penguins thing to do to not show up in a game that, while it doesn't mean the world, it does mean a, a lot to an important player on their team.
2: Yes, and also don't forget about the time losing in overtime with Shawn Michaels in the crowd.
0: Oh yeah, that one was rough. You know that that was probably to see them.
2: Yeah that, yeah, that one was probably the roughest because it was a playoff game, and you know it was during that run Shawn Michaels had all kind of press and promo during it. Um, mm-hmm. But at least they, he got to see an overtime game. He got to see them score, whereas Nova Scotia and Andrew WK uh, <laughs> did not. And also, for what it's worth, I really hope they change the goal song this year. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm over it. It's it's time to move on. We need a new, fresh life in this team.
0: I know one that could be available soon.
2: Oh, if you say Hall hollow oats. Hey, I, listen, I like it. I know a lot
0: of people don't like the Toronto Maple Leafs goal song of you make my dreams come true, but you know what? I do. So I, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. I don't think it fits the Penguins, actually, oh. but um, it didn't fit I, the I, Leafs. I, it fit the Leafs. It fit the Leafs. It, it, trust me, those young Austin Matthews, Willie Nylander, Mitch Marner Leafs. Yeah, it fit the Leafs like unserious. Yeah, that fit the Leafs early seasons uh, for those guys. But let's get into the, the bulk of the episode because, you know, the season with being, it being one week away, we're beginning prediction week at the tip of the iceberg. And that starts today. Now, Thursday's episode is going to be wall-to-wall predictions. Penguins individual players, Penguins team, league predictions. We'll give our Stanley Cup picks for the preseason on Thursday. But today, we have a couple of couple predictions to make, and we want to start with our bold predictions for the 2023-24 season. And I'll go with my, you know, I, I said each of us will have one, but I feel like I've said the, the one that I have pretty much all summer and that's Brian Rust will score 30 goals this year. I think this is the year that he finally does it. I think last year's poor performance or poor performance with the air Mm -hmm. quotes around it uh, was an aberration for him. And he's played at a 30-goal pace the three seasons prior to last year. Two of them were shortened due to COVID. So I see him getting over that 30-goal mark. That's my uh, first bold prediction of the season.
2: I am with that one too. I like it. It's um, something that... We kind of need to see from Brian Russ, right? It's something that he obviously wants to rebound and have a more consistent season and remain uh, among genuinely one of the top names in terms of goal scoring on this team. Like he has been for the last couple seasons, obviously aside from last year. Um, Ever since Brian Russ really found his footing in the NHL, he's been one of the more consistent faces uh, for the Penguins. And something about last season... Uh, it didn't click, and as I say, consistency. I remember actually, Brian russ has been one of the least consistent Penguins in a while. Do you remember when he went like months without scoring? But then Last was able. Oh no! Like we were still in oh, college. Oh wait, yo, no, never mind. Yeah, and I, think, I remember that. And then he scored a hat trick s- against Chicago. Yep. And he scored a hat trick against Chicago to break his scoreless streak. Uh, I think me and you were at a bar watching that game. At least I was. I don't remember if you were with me yet.
0: Um, I was going to join you at the bar later in that evening. I was in a in a six to nine class at Point Park University. Yes. Those horrible, horrible classes that I should never have taken.
2: Hey, you know what? I liked them. They, at, least as, <laughs> at least as I got to my senior year, I said, I'm going to take those over waking up every morning. That being said, we're not here to discuss school. Um, yeah. Our college I, schedules I, from five years ago. Yeah. Man, we're <laughs> five years out of college. Anyway, I, I remember that he has his bouts of inconsistency, but overall he's normally one of the best goal scorers on this team. i uh, mm-hmm. just needs to find that again. We know he can. It was his consistency that earned him that big, long contract from Ron Hextall. So if he's able to reclaim some of that, that'll go a long way in helping this team. Um, and as for a bold prediction from me, I'm gonna kinda, I have two that I can kind of combine into one uh, just to make it easy. And, it's, and one of them is going to be really hot considering what it's looked like so far but i think the penguins can easily become a top three team in this league or in this uh division uh sorry okay i was like
0: whoa whoa (laughs) hot take alert horro hut says top three okay top three team in the division uh that's a a little less steamy but still you know still a bold prediction considering i've seen them you know predicted as low as sixth in some people's takes
2: yeah, a lot of a lot of people will give them six. I've seen a lot of four and fives, just mm-hmm. just in or just out of the playoffs again. Um, but I think they can really solidify their spot as a top three team in the metro, uh, and it's going to be on the backs of a. And here it is, drum roll, a top five power play. If it can get going, there really is something that can go here. It's and it, it, this is truly just because it sounds like a video game. You have Crosby, Malkin, Latang, <laughs> Eric Carlson, and when he's healthy, Jake Gensel on the same top power play unit. We know it looks like hot dog water right now, but it's it can get going. I mean, over six in a preseason game. every time. It doesn't matter who's on it, you can't go over six. Discussed no. that a couple times this last season. It doesn't matter who was out there, you gotta you gotta find at least one in six opportunities. Um but I think they're gonna be able to pick something up and you know what for what it's worth the second unit looks like they at least are put together. And they'll get Mm -hmm. their opportunities, they'll get their chances. That should really also help the percentage. Um, So my big polled prediction here is, aside from being a top-three team in the Metro, that power play is going to get going, it can easily be top-five.
0: It's interesting, uh, because you know, I I told you that I had one, and it was Brian Russ to score 30, and I've been bullish on that all summer long. People that have listened to the show know that. So I, I came up with another one. My second uh, bold prediction is the Penguins finish top three on the power play that <laughs> they get it together. So uh, we're on the same wavelength there, thinking that what we've seen so far in training camp is not what's going to be, you know, the actual power play throughout the entirety of the season. I mean, there's there's a lot of talent out here, and with that much talent, you have to imagine at some point they figure it out. And and even last season. When they had that much talent and everybody said the power play was awful, it was mediocre. It was, I think, 14th in the National Hockey League last year, a little over 21%. I mean, that's, from pure numbers standpoint, that is not putrid. But again, with that much talent, you can't finish... Mediocre. You can't finish middle of the pack. And adding a guy like Eric Carlson, you just can't expect these guys to finish outside of the top 10, honestly. You have to imagine that these guys with the talent that they have are going to figure it out, at least on the power play, where they have the main advantage. So, I said top 3. Simply because one, you know, I I think that was that's a hot take. That's a bold prediction. And also because I needed to leave at least some room for the Edmonton Oilers and uh, one other surprise team because there's always a surprise team that comes out and succeeds on the power play. A couple of years ago, it was the Islanders were automatic on the power play, a team that didn't have offense anywhere else, uh, but they always scored on the power play. So, but, and then the Oilers, of course, broke the NHL record last season at 32.4%. So I'm going to leave wiggle room for those guys. Uh, But I do, you know, mine's top three, you say top five, we're on the same wavelength here. We think that what we've seen from the power play, which has been awful, uh, but we think that after, you know, more than a week of actually practicing it, they're going to figure it out.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if going into the practice today, it's a quick couple of drills and then maybe 45 whole minutes on just power play work especially for the top unit just to get things put together we can see them all talking to each other trying to discuss a a plan and B just where these you know these guys like to go they're all sort of they could all be on their own team top power play performers yeah it's kind of the situation that they're stuck in is that they're all top guys that now need to be you know that now need to work as a cohesive unit and if things end up don't working out I mean, it's not like Mike Sullivan's just going to say, okay, I'm not using enter name. I'm just not going to use him on the power play. No, he's going to plop him onto the second, and suddenly that unit's going to get a lot better too. So mm-hmm. when you're looking at it in terms of all 10 players that are going to be out there uh, looking to score on the power play, um, the top five, whether no matter what the combination is, it's going to be about the same 10 players on either, on either side. It's just a matter of finding that rhythm, finding that momentum, and... Through those ten players, through a whole two-minute time span, they should be able to figure something out. Now, mm-hmm. uh, if Eric Carlson stays on the first, maybe he's the one that gets moved to the second if it needs to happen. Well, then you've got that kind of uh, you got that kind of firepower on your second unit. Same for Chris Letang if he gets bumped down. There's that. Also, if injuries occur, Ty Smith made his way through waivers. We still have him on the defense yeah. if we really need to. Uh, and in terms of offense, we don't know what that lineup's going to look like yet. Uh, but some of those call-ups could easily also sit on a power play i know mike Sullivan will probably like to use them on uh the pk a little more but um it should easily uh, any of those guys that get called up could easily also perform in the power play so there's going to be plenty of options yeah, you mentioned
0: young guys. I mean, Valtteri Pustin is, is the first name that came to mind. Like, he gets called up. He is a guy that is automatically a candidate to play on the second power play unit. The guy has so much talent, so much ability. And, you know, obviously the Penguins are hoping he rounds out his, his full game to become a, an NHLer. But, you know, on the power play, that's when he gets to play to his strength. So that's that's easily a candidate there. And when it comes to the actual top power play unit, there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen. But the problem that I'm seeing with it also is, is they're, as they're trying to figure it out, They're kind of playing tentative, and they're playing without any structure. Like, there's a lot of hesitation when it comes to certain passing, and there's also no structure whatsoever. And I understand. Like, sometimes you got a guy like Eric Carlson. Let the man cook. Let him do what he needs to do. You don't have to really barrow him into a structure, but at some point, you kind of need to get something going there when it comes to structure-wise, because if not... I mean, you're just going to confuse yourself too much and you're going to beat yourself in opposing penalty kills. It's going to make it easy for them because you're going to overpass, overplay, and it's just going to pop right out to them and they can clear it down. So a little bit more structure is something I'd like to see uh, on the Penguins power play. But again, their first practice utilizing the power play was Wednesday of last week. Not even a full week that they've been at it with the power play. Yeah, I'm sure discussions have been had, but yeah, 0 for 6 is bad, but again... It's early. This is what preseason's for. They went 0 for 6 in the Nova Scotia showdown. But at the end of the day, that doesn't count towards anything. It counts towards what it looks like, but they go 2 for 3 on on Tuesday or or sorry, on Wednesday or they go 3 for 4 on Friday. Nobody's going to care that they went 0 for 6 on on Monday evening. And also, you know, if they do that, who cares? Because it's not the regular season. So, you know, you just need to figure it out and you need to see them progress as the season gets closer and as the season begins
2: yeah it's pretty much it. if it clicks in the next couple of days we forget all about it and that's kind of the point of this right that's why we are here practicing it working on it over and over again Cindy Crosby said that you know with the reps should come the consistency um, mm-hmm. Mike Sullivan said it's a work in progress Eric Carlson said it's a work in progress they're all they all know it's just gonna take some patience it's gonna take some getting used to Mm-hmm. Where we'll be patient don't get me wrong but at the same time like Sullivan's gonna have to have a quick leash on this and a quick mind to adjust because the wins early in the season are going to be important for the team and you know your power play is going to be an important part of it early in the season is when penalties get called the most or at least when they're calling them a little tighter mm-hmm. uh, so it's important to have something clicking early to get those early wins um and I mean, who knows exa- Who knows what kind of heat could come out of a game against Washington, their home opener? Yeah, They're, you're going to have your opportunities. A lot of Western it- Conference games to start the year, by the way. As I look at the October schedule. Yeah,
0: a lot of Western Conference teams, but also a lot of home games. Six of the eight games to start the season are at PPG Paints Arena and the two road games, I believe one's in Detroit and one's in Washington so they're not traveling a whole lot in the first month of the season. That is a good time to be able to get things underneath you, get your feet underneath you and especially if you're the power play, uh, get a lot of work in because you're not spending a lot of time traveling so uh, you hope that it obviously kicks into high gear once the season begins next Tuesday but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. It's a work in progress it seems uh, as everybody toes the company line over there in the Penguins locker room but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back uh, let's talk a little bit about the penguins entering the final week of training camp a couple of additions made or at least one addition made and a couple surprising names still sticking around on the penguins at, uh, training camp roster as we get closer and closer to those final roster cuts we'll be right back Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by inside the penguins.com. We're going to have a lot of fun stuff on inside the penguins.com this upcoming season. Obviously check out Jacob, Jacob, Pontori always gets you ready to go with things to watch before every single game and of course some of his other pieces Horwad is there with your beat reporter action every single piece of news he's on it uh, I add some opinion pieces and some some podcast articles so not very much but uh, I try to write there as much as I can I'll be uh, obviously adding in some post game coverage uh, as we've talked about on the show before check us out on anywhere you get your podcasts on YouTube after the game or the morning after the game for for iceberg recaps, uh, which is new this season in season five of the tip of the iceberg. And then we got a new writer. Uh, haven't seen much from him yet. Excited to see what he brings to the table. Reese Comfort joins the the staff. So obviously a lot of exciting things happening in year technically three, but really two uh, of inside the it's it's
2: let's just say it's year two. And it's year two year two in a preseason that happened to be a postseason. Um, yeah, It's year two. It's going to be, again, much more, much much a lot more stuff. We have a meeting literally almost as soon as we're done here to discuss some of the plans for the season with everyone. Uh, I'm excited Mm -hmm. about the year. I'm excited to see where everything on this website can go. We can thank the Hockey News for also giving us a huge boost in terms of um, getting things put together and giving us a very big team of other writers to work with in terms of the league. So also, if you are... Fans of other teams, go check out the hockey news and their team sites. Everyone's doing great stuff over there, um, mm-hmm. but I'm excited to see where our site specifically can go because I'm competitive and a little selfish. I like what I like seeing what our uh, website has done against everyone else, and it's been awesome. So, but here's to another great season. Uh, we got a week until Connor Bedard is here, probably tearing us to pieces. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Obviously,
0: you know Connor Bedard has looked just as advertised in preseason but again there's a reason it's preseason we'll see what happens when the puck drops on October 10th but before that the penguins do have to get through the final week of training camp there are some decisions to be made over the next couple of days hopefully not made in the next few hours because I would like to edit this and get it out before <laughs> uh, before cuts happen and before anything we say gets uh, gets ruled to be not really mattering anymore but uh, the penguins currently sit with 38 players on their training camp roster, need to get down to 22 uh, expected by next Monday, which is when finalized rosters are due for the NHL. But uh, Kyle Dubas said, "You know what? I I got a week till I got, I have to get 15 guys off the off this team right now in a week. Let's add one. Let's 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 claim somebody." Uh, he went out yesterday and claimed Jansen Harkins. From the Winnipeg Jets. Harkins is a second round pick in 2015 of the Winnipeg Jets. Last season he played in only 22 games for them, about quarter of the season, scoring five points, three of them being goals. And it's just one more defensive-minded fourth line forward for the Pittsburgh Penguins. What did you think when you saw that Pittsburgh had acquired Jansen Harkins?
2: Well, my first immediate thought was, okay, more help for the for the AHL team. Uh <laughs> and it's truly that was truly my first thought. And then I remembered, oh yeah, Colin White is still here in his PTO. Um, And he's, and Jansen Harkins is not immediately being sent to the AHL. So he'd
0: have to go through waivers. I
2: thought, I thought you could continue sending him through uh, after you claimed him. I don't know how waivers work. No one does. Uh, But that being said, hey, it's, uh, it's another name to add to the battle here. It's another name to possibly fight for a legitimate roster spot, considering the Depth at forward center, it's or at center the center depth. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be hmm. easy for him to come in with a week left and stake a claim. Uh, but I mean, if you look at the numbers from the at the NHL level last year, not phenomenal. Definitely defensive minded. Those AHL numbers though last year were kind of bonkers. He had a clean 25 and 25, and I forget how many games, but mm-hmm. 50 points even at the AHL level is pretty solid. We we saw. Alex Nylander put up however many it was last year, and we couldn't stop screaming for him to join the lineup. So, I mean, who knows what exactly Harkins can bring, but uh it'll be interesting to see him take the ice for the first time with the Penguins. I'm assuming today. Maybe he'll get a preseason action in tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. We'll just have to keep an eye on him now. Another name to watch, guys. Uh,
0: yeah, especially with the center depth, it's weird because the centers for the Pittsburgh Penguins are have been set since before training came. Like Crosby Malkin, obviously, mm-hmm. no, no, no crap. Uh, and then you have Lars Eller that was specifically brought in for his role. Noel Achari that was specifically really brought in for his role. They like to talk about the fact that Jeff Carter can still win faceoffs. offs I, I heard that last week from Mike Sullivan. I was like, man, he's on the wing. Can we stop trying to tow that? Like, can we, can we stop trying to, to pull that one out? But, uh, you know, the old, Penguins have a yeah. lot of options. And Poulan, like, honestly, this guy better not block Poulan. That's my only thing with him. Like, cool. He's another name. He's another option for Kyle Dubas that's trying to get them, but he better not block Poulin.
2: And he just might, though. We'll see. And when it comes to Jeff Carter also taking draws, that's an old adage, though. We figure Mike Sullivan has always kind of liked having two guys who had the ability, at least, to play center. That's why Crosby and Gensel. We forget Gensel was a center for quite a while in his uh, in his youth and for a hot minute in the NHL uh Malkin doesn't really have a center this year but we know he has in the past I mean this year the whole bottom six is completely jumbled so we don't know exactly who's gonna wear but Lars Eller's gonna be at third line center um whoever he plays with maybe they've had center you know position before Drew O'Connor because we know he played
0: center at the world championships this year
2: yeah he did um because we know and Mike Sullivan has said he likes having guys that can play in multiple positions or they can play all three all three forward positions um that's why rem pitlick was here for a little bit shocked he made it through waivers too honestly mm-hmm. um and this and this just another forward that and that's why jeff carter's there too he can play the wing sure and he might play the wing mostly yeah but if someone gets kicked out of the draw well we have another center to throw in there so yeah uh there's reasonings for everything here and as for uh this whole lineup we'll see where it goes
0: yeah, there's obviously a lot of decisions to be made, and I don't think Harkins makes the team, but uh, we'll have those predictions coming up here at the end of the show. We're going to talk about who's going to make the roster in those final couple of spots that have been up for grabs since it opened up uh, on September 21st, so we'll talk about that in a little bit, but before we do that, another surprise at this point, there's nine defensemen left on this roster. You would expect seven of them make the opening day roster, so only two guys are not going to. Libor Hayek's here on a PTO, it doesn't seem like he's done anything really you know, dramatic to, to say that he's going to make the roster, that he's going to earn a contract, maybe an AHL contract, maybe an NHL contract that gets sent to the AHL, but I don't see Libor Hayek taking a position on the opening night roster, which leaves really one person to be cut or sent down or reassigned or whatever you want to use. It's not really cut because they're still likely with the organization unless they're a PTO and don't get an actual contract, but Ryan Shea, you know, last year did good things for the Texas stars of the AHL not the Dallas stars of the NHL good AHL defensemen came in and that's what we expected him to be we said oh there's Taylor Fadoon 2.0 well not so fast because Taylor Fadoon has been in the minors now for uh, at the minor league camp now for at least the weekend meanwhile Ryan Shea still hanging around still has a chance here still between him and a Mark Friedman and a Chad Ruweedle. To make this team out of camp, what have you seen from Ryan Shay uh, that really ha- has helped him stay at the NHL camp for this long?
2: Just a good patience, you know. It's he's a defenseman, so it's hard to look at numbers or offensive and look on his blue line making dumb plays, playing pretty smart. Um, he just looked solid. He's this and that's kind of a key. Unless you're just him, um, and that's kind of the point, And you haven't really noticed him. You haven't got, seen him below positioning. You haven't seen him just miss assignments. That's kind of the key here. I, it was, ta- I was talking to Ryan Graves, and he said, "Whenever it comes to, you know, a player like him, at least you're not going to notice, you know, their offensive ability. They they make their noise by being unnoticeable or being in the game and just kind of doing their doing their thing. And that's exactly what Ryan Shea has done so far. Um, and you know, like like we'd mentioned." Excuse me, a ton of times before. Mike Sullivan likes these guys that can play both mm-hmm. sides of the ice. Ryan Shea has played a couple of games now alongside Pio Joseph, both as left shot defensemen. So it will be interesting to see where that goes. That gives him an upper hand. I mean, we thought Ty Smith, because he's a left shot defenseman, is getting an audition on the right side of the rank. Maybe that gives him another opportunity. It didn't, but now. Uh, Ryan Shea is here getting that opportunity has played a couple of times there and seems to be getting a much longer look. So interested to see where that goes. If he survives, it's, I'm, you know, blanketly making assumptions that more cuts come no. today. Uh, if he survives, uh, around today, I wouldn't be shocked to really see him push for like at least maybe a seventh role, a seventh defenseman role.
0: Yeah, and I mean, when do you look at it? It's not, at this point, it's not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, you have your top four. You have P.O. Joseph, who has seemingly taken that number five spot as the third pairing left side defenseman. It seems like he's kind of ran away with that. So you have four defensemen for two spots, and one of them's on a PTO in Libor Hayek. You Mm -hmm. would imagine Ryan Shea's ahead of him in the organizational depth chart. It's, can he jump one of Mark Friedman or Chad Ruweedle? And we'll talk about that in the next segment, but... I find it interesting that seemingly he's jumped at least Ty Smith, right? He's stuck around longer than Ty Smith, and he's in kind of the same position as Smith, except he does the opposite of Ryan, of Ty Smith, right? Yes. Ty Smith is all gas, no breaks. Ryan Shea is all breaks, no gas. So it seems as if when the Penguins have a lot of all gas, no breaks on the roster already, Ryan Shea is higher on the depth chart than than a Ty Smith, and that surprises me. Uh, at least it, su- it would surprise me if you had told me that on september 21st but seeing you know what the penguins have looked like in camp and what some of the you know discussions have been with mike sullivan and his media availabilities yeah it makes a little sense that they want a little bit more defense lower in their defense core but it certainly is a surprise at this point in camp that ryan shea is seemingly above ty smith on the team's organizational depth chart
2: yeah and if you take and if you ask the same people that elliot freeman on the 32 thoughts podcast asked uh, the Ty Smith thing is because he doesn't have the same compete level that a lot of other uh, guys on the team or guys in the league have, and that does hurt. So if it's just based on compete level, well, Ryan Chase got him beat there, I guess. it's uh, That'll push him up the ladder. That'll give him a few extra rungs up. He Also, let's just be real here. Everyone may have lucked out that Mark Pissett got injured. Yeah. Let's also throw that one out there. Like every, Everyone on this team may have gotten pretty lucky that unfortunate that that unfortunate injury happened to mark pissick because he seemed you know at least in the first couple days pretty set up to take that spot yeah now with him down and we don't know for how long we still don't really know anything about it hell will butcher is also still skating with the injured players yeah. we thought maybe he could fight for a minute um those injuries may have really helped certain guys like Ryan Shea immediately push himself into a roster spot so not that he has mark pissick to thank because that's just unfortunate yeah. But he has him to thank for, hey, maybe making his NHL debut, by the way. Ryan Shay's yet to play an NHL game. He's 26 and, according to certain people, has looked really damn good in the minor leagues mm-hmm. uh, and deserves his push to the NHL roster.
0: Yeah, Colby Armstrong and the Chicklets boys were uh, definitely touting right. Ryan Shea's uh, abilities uh, over there. I think it was earlier this week or it was late last week. Either way. Like uh, that, either yeah. way, Ryan Shea getting some play uh, some in some national media, if, if that's what you want to call the chicklets. I guess at this point, they're national media. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. well, yeah, I guess biz being on TNT helps that too. But no, uh, it's going to be interesting here in the last week. And I say that a lot. You know, I need to stop saying that it's going to be interesting because I just find... I just find the business of hockey and the business of who stays on the roster as something that's very intriguing, and the decision-making and the mind behind it, which is now Kyle Dubas. Before, it was Ron Hextall, and you really, uh, you know, trying to dive into that mind is like trying to walk through a minefield in battle, but, uh, you know, Kyle Dubas, it's interesting. It's a chess match, and I'm not exactly sure what his next move is going to be, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we want to see... What do we want to see, actually, from the final couple of preseason games? That's what we're going to talk about. And then some more predictions. Who makes the roster? Is Ryan Shea going to make the roster? That's what
1: we're going to try to predict after this break. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot...
0: Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by inside the penguins.com. One week until the start of the NHL regular season, but some business to attend to for the penguins between now and then. They have two more preseason games, one on Wednesday, one on Friday, before they wrap up their seven game schedule in the preseason. It has been a slog. Yes. It was nice to have a little bit of a change of pace with the Halifax Nova Scotia showdown for Sidney Crosby. Then of course the Penguins No Show and you immediately say, okay, what's next? Uh when is the start of the season? And that is one week from today, but like I said, some stuff left to happen, some preseason games left to be played. What do you want to see in these final two preseason games, Horwat? One of the things I need to see, I need to see better cohesion just throughout the forward lineup. I mean, yes, Crosby, Raquel, Rust, you can tell the chemistry is back again, but the remainder of the lineup, I want to see a little bit more from Riley Smith and Evgeny Malkin, that's the top one that comes to mind. I want to see the fourth line, like I've liked what I've seen from Nolichari, but I want to see that line work a little bit better as an entire unit. Uh, That's one of the things I'm looking for.
2: Yeah, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to pin down cohesion whenever every game there is at least still small roster changes here and there to see what Mm -hmm. players can offer but um what i'm really looking for is you're right when it comes to the forwards someone or a couple people in the bottom six to truthfully stand out once and for all we've seen you know redeem zahorna have his time in the sun not saying that his you know opportunity at the lineup is gone but it seems to be dipping a little bit uh he's just a matter of catching that wind one last time and proving himself alex nylander uh, again, another one that he had his time in the sun and is sort of dipped, uh, is also dipped. Uh, we want someone that can fight their way and prove their worth in the NHL, at least among the forwards. Um, and I want to see these guys that haven't been sent back down yet get one more crack. Mm-hmm. I really do. Like, well, Terry Poussin hasn't been sent back down yet. I want to see him be given a chance. Sam Poulin, I want to see him get back in the lineup for one more opportunity, see what he can do. Um, The game tomorrow is a perfect time to rest your stars, or at least some of as many as you can with the amount of AHL options you have left. Maybe give, like I said, maybe give Harkins a shot in the lineup. See what he has to offer. Give these other AHL players that are, are regardless, likely starting in the AHL, give them their one last cut to see what they can do. Mm -hmm. Um, And don't just continue to sit them around and do nothing because you're not really learning much just from... You know skates at in cranberry or being scratched for preseason games you got to give them their chance so let the young kids go one more time and in terms of defense uh the top four is set we know this uh and that bottom pairing is probably gonna go p.o joseph and somebody could be anybody
0: yeah uh, we obviously talked about that at the end of last segment but you know, I agree with you, especially with, like, the Sam Poulin and the Valtteri Pustin in. Like, yeah, yeah I don't really need to see... I really don't need to see Harkins. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I really don't. Like, I get it. You want to see what he can do at least in one preseason game, but... I mean, the guy is a borderline NHL, AHL talent. He's not going to make the roster out of camp. Be, I'd be shocked if he came in in the last week. It's almost like, you know, when you watch Miracle on Ice and they bring the one guy in right before they head to the they head to the, the Olympics. And it's like, why is he here? Like, we've been here for the last two weeks. Why'd you bring this guy in? We don't need him. And especially considering he's a fourth liner, at least in Miracle on Ice, that guy was a top-line player. But um, no, it, to look at this and see that Sam Poulin... Didn't play in Nova Scotia. I don't believe he played the the previous Thursday either when they had their their dress rehearsal. And the same thing goes for Valtteri Pustinen. Give these guys one last shot. Because while yes, I I don't know if either of them are really going to have a chance to make the lineup out of camp... You're hoping that maybe halfway through the season, one or both of them can come up and contribute and be a nice midseason call up. You know, you remember those or what? I, I mean, I do. It happened in 2016. It happened in 2017. And those seasons, you know, I know my memory is not what it used to be, but those seasons seem to end pretty well. And, you know, that that that's a common thread right there. And maybe, just maybe, one of these two guys can be that player this year. Give them another shot to prove it. In preseason, give them another shot to get some experience, get some chemistry with these guys that they're probably not going to play with for the next couple of months uh, because they'll probably get sent down to the AHL. And you're hoping, knock on wood, that guys are healthy, so you're not going to need to call people up for that. So obviously, Poulin and Pustina have had great camps. Poulin has had really stellar camp, and he's been a a thorough through when you know the prospects challenge came around. He was. He was great there. He was great at the start of camp on the first weekend when you had a lot of those inter-squad scrimmages. He's been great in preseason action. Give him one more shot to show what he's worth, and I agree with you. Tomorrow is the perfect opportunity. It's, it's almost like you're going to have the dress rehearsal again on Friday. Let your stars now sit back and say, you know what, we need some time to, to gather our thoughts, especially the power play, figure things out, and then we'll try it out on Friday. Now, again, the more reps you get, the better you get, so I would assume you're going to see some NHL talent probably a good bit of it still tomorrow but it, it is an opportunity and it should be an opportunity for guys like Poulan guys like pustin and uh, you know maybe even a guy like ryan shea that we just talked about to try to make one last stab at it or take one last stab at it to try to get a roster spot
2: yeah maybe you put the the five on the top power play you know maybe you have crosby malkin Latang, carlson raquel in the lineup for this game and then everyone else you kind of just plug and play just to see what they can do because what you do here in this situation is you're knocking out two birds with one stone you're giving that power play another damn chance to do something Mm -hmm. anything but then you're also seeing what you can do not that i'm the one drawing up the lineup and this (laughs) definitely isn't gonna happen but that's just my thought and plus i off the top of my head i can't remember how many people are left
0: i mean there's only nine defensemen you have to dress six so yeah
2: yeah So you're going to see plenty of NHL talent in the next couple of of games anyway.
0: Yeah, I think there's, there might be 20, yeah, there's 20 forwards left on the roster right now, and they can only dress 12. So that's, that's where you need to give an opportunity. Like, do you really need to see another game of Nolachari tomorrow? Or do you want to see Sam Poulin on, I mean, I know the fourth line's not where he's supposed to be, but like Nolichari, Lars Eller, you know, give Sam Poulin one shot and then get those guys out there the other time.
2: And also, do these veterans want to play in all these preseason games? Does Jeff Carter really want to be trotted out there again? I don't know.
0: I mean, it, it, does, it all depends on what they feel they need to get ready for the season. And that's different for right. everybody.
2: And that's why I'm, that's what I'm saying, like, do they want to? Because it doesn't come down to, you know, mu- doesn't come down to much other. It's a matter of if they want to, if they want to get up to that speed. Because they're not getting paid for it. They don't get paid <laughs> for these preseason games. <clears throat> so, if they're looking at it as... Injury risk even Like if Jeff Carter's saying I'm in the last year of my career I'm making Against everyone's will A lot of money Um <laughs> If he doesn't want to play in it He shouldn't have to So You know If I think for At least for the veterans If they don't want to play in it If they feel like they're getting there At least Wednesday Maybe if they all want to play Friday in Buffalo Fine That's okay That's cool mm-hmm. That's like the last giddy up Before Three days later You drop the puck on the season but at least tomorrow, I think, give the veterans a rest and at least as many as you can. And, you know, let the young guys, let, the, let these prospects, these ho- lineup hopefuls, mm-hmm. get their one last crack at everything and tell them, like, this is it. This is the chance. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, though, I'm also boldly assuming they make cuts today.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, considering we talked about some of these players that are on that cut line, they probably will. They probably yeah. will just despite me, and they'll be like, hey, hope you got your episode out fast enough, but um, no, <laughs> I agree with you. Definitely would like to see these guys get another opportunity, and I don't know why I was giggling. You mentioned Jeff Carter's, like, whether whether people like it or not, it just made me think of, like, you know, Jeff Carter is Macho Man Randy Savage in Spider-Man 1, and he's looking at Kyle Dubas, a.k.a. Toby Maguire's Spider-Man, and saying, I got you for one more year, buddy, one more year and uh just you know holding the penguins hostage for one more season
2: yeah and it doesn't help that mike sullivan really did speak pretty highly of jeff carter um he's the promoter
0: that's gonna underpay toby Maguire, aka kyle dubas
2: yeah so (laughs) everyone jeff carter is gonna be in the lineup hate to break it to you you heard it here not definitely not first you You, heard it here at thirty three
0: hundred and thirty first.
2: 330 first yeah if we heard it last year we knew he was gonna be in the lineup this year so hey (laughs) Welcome to this. And you know what? If Jeff Carter can prove, I've said this before, we're going to go in with some optimism, right? Yeah. The team's going to go in with some optimism. We're all going to go in with at least a little bit of optimism and say, you know what? It's his last ride. We're all assuming at least it's his last ride. Maybe he's assuming the same thing. Go out on top. Yeah. I almost said kid. Go out on top, big man.
0: (laughs) Big Jeff Carter. I mean, I don't know. Already positive signs the fact that he's on the wing instead of at center to start, so.
2: It's a good start. Yeah. It's off on the right good, foot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good start for Jeff Carter and his positioning in this team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I Mike Sullivan might be reluctant to healthy scratch him at times, but man, if that has to happen, that has to happen truthfully for this team to win.
0: Yeah. If his defensive game breaks down, that's when it's going to happen
2: has to. Yeah.
0: Right? I mean, if, if his has defensive to. game breaks down and if his faceoff percentage dips below 45%, then you'll see Jeff Carter uh, up in the press box. But no, regardless, we should stop bashing on him because we're going to be doing it all season. Um, we're going to finish this episode by giving some bold predictions still. Who makes this roster? These are going to have a really quick return date here. Uh, which players are going to seemingly take the five roster spots that have been open since the beginning of camp three forward spots two defense spots who do you think takes them and makes the roster out of camp let's start with the forwards Horwat. who do you think takes those three forward positions
2: oh man i don't i'm not even sure give me what give me one yeah that's where things are so up in the air still um I could see Redeem Zahorna earning a spot in the bottom six. I don't know about playing alongside of Kenny Malkin. I don't think anybody does. That might be an Alex Nylander spot. Um, And come full health, maybe a Brian Rust, maybe a Ricard Raquel. Yeah. Uh, But I could see Redeem Zahorna earning his way back into the the bottom six. Mike Sullivan has spoken highly of him on a couple of occasions now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, again, he's another one of those names that we weren't looking at properly whenever he was brought back we were looking at it as probably just ahl fodder you know even during the end of his first nhl stint with the penguins things weren't going great it was just kind of okay he's just the big body out there that um is playing defense suddenly he has a little offensive touch that might be able to help the penguins bottom six out so i'd say he's the bold prediction for me in terms of offense
0: yeah, I have Radim Horno on my list too. I think this is the year he finally breaks the mold of being not quite good enough to make the NHL roster, but not quite bad enough to be considered a full-time AHLer. so somebody takes a, a chance on him on waivers. I think this is the year that he finally breaks it. I think the, the circumstances have fallen in his favor, and I think he's stepped up to the challenge and performed well. You mentioned that you've seen that offensive side a little bit more consistent, consistently this season because we've seen it in the past. Right? Even the first time he came up to the NHL and people were like, oh, you know, this is cool. Redeem Zahorna. That's a big guy, big body. And we were all expecting, oh, he's a bruiser. He's not. He's a smooth skater. He's great with the puck. And that long stick helps in defensive zones, too. He's great at getting in the right position and he takes up a lot of space. So maybe this is the year that he finally does it. I think he does. I think he gets the spot. Another one that I think is pretty obvious, and honestly, this might be one that, that to be fair, you might have already penciled it into the roster and aren't aren't thinking about because I did at first when I was like wait I, there's only two spots Drew O'Connor Drew O'Connor mm-hmm. has made this team like the, yeah. that is what is an open spot to enter the enter the preseason it was who's going to be on the left side of the third line Drew O'Connor's walked into camp said mine And has not relinquished it since. Him and Lars Eller have looked great together. And while yes, it was a question coming into camp, I think we all knew the answer by about the third or fourth day that Drew O'Connor was going to be that guy in that spot. So Drew O'Connor is the number number two name for me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He came in right away, and it was oh, Drew O'Connor. Yeah, for sure, without doubt. Yeah. Um, It was quick too. It wasn't like it was probably on the first day, if not second, we saw him start. Mm Hmm. um, and just kind of had our eyes on him said all right what can you do and immediately it was yeah this guy's good next we're, we're moving yeah. along here we got he's in next who's who's next in line who do we need to talk about so drew o'connor for sure um it helps that he came in with a two-year contract fresh and uh that shows and also when it comes to it that shows the new regime and kyle dubas likes what he sees yeah that's one thing you do have to look at when it comes to returning players uh it it, it Kyle Dubas had every right to ship off as many people as he wanted. And he did. Oh, yeah. He did. But those guys that stuck around, uh, that means they're in the right space, at least at this point, you'd think, in the right space in Kyle Dubas' mind. Yeah. And, I
0: mean, Drew O'Connor did get headlines over the offseason because he was the last guy to sign for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He signed in the same week that – the Gensel news dropped with his surgery that the Eric Carlson news dropped. So he was, uh, he was involved in the stories that week. And, and, you know, that gets to a little bit of a higher profile with the fan base. And then of course he comes in and he backs it up with a terrific performance in the preseason. Now, of course we've seen him all three years that he's been in the penguins organization, play more and more and more last year, career high, 46 games. If he makes the team out of camp, There's a chance that he he gets to that full season. What's he able to do? Is he able to bring the offense that he's shown in training camp, that he showed at the World Championships? That's going to be the next step because you're not playing on the fourth line anymore, buddy. You're on the third line. You're expected to contribute a little bit more, especially for a Penguins team that didn't get that last year. So it's going to be an important season for Drew O'Connor. Can he continue to separate himself and be a third line guy and score at the pace that the Penguins need for the third line left wing?
2: Get ready to learn third line, buddy. Yeah, exactly. I love that meme. The uh, What's his name? Adam Silver? Yes. I love that meme. I could use that every day.
0: <laughs> well, we have one more forward spot left, and this is where it gets hard. I think Drew O'Connor was the easy one. Redeem Zahorna is one that is kind of... You know, tiptoed on the line because we've we've seen this before. We've read this story before of Rudim Zahorna looks good in training camp and then he doesn't make the roster. I think this is the year he finally does it. So even that was a little bit of an easier selection. Who's that last forward? I mean, at this point, it could be somebody that plays on the second line. It could be somebody that has to play on the fourth line. Who is that last forward to you, Horwath, that makes the roster out of camp?
2: I still like Alex Nylander. Mm. I still do. It's... Because he can play top six, middle six, I guess I should say. He can play in that middle six. He can play second or third line, uh, especially to start the season whenever we're down at Jake Gensel. Um, someone offensively-minded needs, needs to step in to the Penguins' lineup and uh, help cover some of the points and the goals missed. Hmm. Alex Nielander is the guy that can do that at least to start the year and then from there earn his spot and remain in the lineup probably in a different role, but... Um, show himself and this is a perfect opportunity for him I think it goes out to Alex Nylander just without doubt I know Sam and still around I know Valteri Poulin is still around but man I just don't see it happening for them because mm-hmm. they've already been looked over a couple of times
0: yeah they haven't gotten their, their opportunity in these games where the full roster's in and a couple of these other guys but somebody that has been and has had a couple of opportunities even with the NHL regulars in the lineup I think it goes to Vinny Henestrosa. Like, I I know it's hard to really refute Alex Nylander at this point. It seemed as if, you know, when he was brought back before anybody else was even in the front office, it seemed as if, okay, this is going to be his shot at the NHL level. But I feel like Vinny Henestrosa has come in and, you know, I know Nylander has a little bit more offensive upside, but I mean, he hasn't shown it at the NHL level. I mean, not at least consistently, and neither is Vinny Henestroza, but what Henestroza brings you is a little bit more tenacity, a little bit more of a 200-foot game than you see from Alex Nylander, and I think that combining his play at camp with the relationship he already has with Brian Rust and Mike Sullivan, I feel like it's Vinny Hennestroza's time to take that roster spot.
2: Yeah, I think so too. And One of the bonuses that I've noticed of Henestroza over camp in these preseason games is he can play both the power play and the penalty kill Mm -hmm. or at least he's been deployed on both i noticed he was on the second unit of the power play in those six opportunities um in halifax Uh, but he was also he's also been taking reps at least in camp on the pk against the top guys Mm -hmm. so there's great utilization that can be had with so He can play both sides of the puck, probably can play both sides of the wing, because again, Mike Sullivan loves that, and he had an audition up on the first line with Cindy Crosby. Didn't last <clears throat> Excuse me, past the Ricard Raquel mm-hmm. uh, portion of things, but you know what? It's still a viable option for the NHL roster and one that, again, we may have slept on a little bit during the off season. but um, he's made more of a name for himself than quite a few other guys that have
0: joined the team mm-hmm. yeah one guy I was kind of disappointed in I don't need to get into it I I, I thought there was going to be more from Andreas Janssen in camp I really did yeah, he, he's kind of just he's kind of just faded to the back and you know he's probably going to be placed on waivers maybe even as you're listening to this he is on waivers um, we'll see if somebody else takes a chance on him or if he starts the season in Wilkes-Barre but I, I don't foresee him making the roster and I think that's that's a pretty safe assumption at this point but we have defense as well I find it hard to believe Chad Ruedel doesn't at least make the roster after seven years with the Penguins because there is a level of loyalty and what you've shown us in the past for Mike Sullivan. uh, I think that he probably makes the Penguins roster, um, especially because he's been that seventh defenseman for them really since he showed up and he's really only had a couple of opportunities to be number six. And I think even if he isn't the guy that you want at number six, he's the perfect name to have as the seventh defenseman.
2: They still look at him as Mr. Dependability. Yep. You take twenty games off, step in for two, and be perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um and that's and that is a useful piece to have in the lineup. I'm gonna I'm gonna be with you there that he definitely probably cracks that seventh that at least that seventh defenseman role. Mm-hmm. Um his time in the AHL is just about over too. I mean, at this point, if he's playing in the minors, no he's not because he, he he I would assume a guy like him wouldn't clear waivers.
0: Yeah, I would imagine somebody takes a chance on him. Especially considering how... It's like, Ty Smith was surprising, but Chad Ruidle would be like, that is a that is a number six defenseman on yeah. most rosters. And, you know, a guy that has that ability as a seventh defenseman too, his stock is probably pretty high.
2: Yeah, it's... He is one that someone would will be willing to give him an NHL contract. He's proven what he can do. The difference between Chad Ruidle and Ty Smith is, like we said, Ty Smith apparently doesn't have that competitive level yet, that competitive edge that needs to be given to his game despite mm-hmm. how good and young he is offensively there's just something not there for him that yeah. other teams didn't like whereas Ruedel he's proven himself he's mm-hmm. a veteran guy that um, can be thrown onto most teams in this league like we said in a six or a seven spot and he'll do just fine
0: yeah yeah one's proven and one's a project and at the end of the day yeah. NHL general managers will take the proven player over the project you know most times the upside for Ty Smith at this stage, I guess, is just not as high as somebody that's a proven defenseman, especially at this point of the season where, listen, you know, you have your projects. You've already staked your claim on certain projects, and when it comes to one over the other, obviously the Penguins have selected to keep uh, Chad Ruedel at least longer on the NHL roster. We'll see. I think we both expect him to make the roster, but that leaves one spot left for the entire team. It's on defense. It could be the seventh defenseman spot. It could be the third pairing right side spot. We talked a lot about Ryan Shea. We talked a little bit about Libor Hayek. And we talked a little bit about Mark Friedman. Between those three, Horwat, who gets that last spot?
2: Something about Ryan Shea sticks out. Because he, when it comes to building this roster, is more of a Kyle Dubas guy. Mark Friedman was the first move made by Ron Hextall when he got here. Mm -hmm. It was a waiver's claim from his former team, no less. Uh, I think... When it comes to this current regime, I'd say Ryan Shea is probably in a better light than Mark Friedman. Not that we, not that the fans and this team doesn't love Mark Friedman, because they all do. Everyone does. Mm-hmm. But you gotta put in the guy that's gonna help you win games. Something about Mark Friedman last year, it didn't seem the same. Hmm. Don't know what it was, I and mean, maybe it was because he played way less. Yeah, at least I think he did. I don't remember the numbers off the it top. Feels like he did. It fe- but it feels like he played way less. So maybe that hampers him a little bit, but again, like I said, it's Kyle it's ultimately ultimately Kyle Dubis making the decisions here mm-hmm. in terms of who's on and off the roster. I'd say Ryan Shea gets the advantage because of the Kyle Dubis aspect. Not that we not that we all don't love Mark Friedman, but mm-hmm. something just doesn't seem right. Yeah.
0: I agree to an extent, but I still think when you look at it at the end of the day, I mean Ryan Shea, you mentioned it earlier, is a guy that hasn't played a game in the NHL yet. And I know That's that true. that shouldn't be that shouldn't be a factor, and it probably isn't a factor, but when I look at that and I look at what you want from third pairing right side and I look at what Mark Freeman brings, and I just feel like he's the type of guy, not just in the lineup, but in the locker room. He's a guy that people go to bat for. And I think when Dubas the way he operates is he probably asks the opinion. Now he has the, he has the final say he'll say, you know what? If, if I don't agree with everybody, I'm still going to be the guy. That's, that's probably what Kyle Dubas says. That's what most NHL general managers would say, but I don't think the gap is very wide between Mark Friedman and Ryan Shea, but I do think bringing that grinding pain in the ass style that the Penguins don't have is something that, Kyle Dupes is going to value here when he's setting his first roster and I think Mark Friedman is the guy that, that brings that over Ryan Shea now again I think that's a razor thin margin between the two but I would say that Mark Friedman has the edge over Ryan Shea
2: and I can see that too it, it comes with the NHL experience I know I know we said it felt like he played way less last year than the year before
0: he didn't did he <laughs>
2: uh, last year he played 23 games goal and two assists the 21 22 season 26 games with a goal and four assists Okay, so he did um, play less. He did play less. He played a games. Jonathan
0: Gruden amount less.
2: <laughs> yes, pretty much. in ter- Probably in terms of minutes, too. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's three fewer games, but, you know, something about that 21-22 season, he felt way more noticeable. I think maybe it's been about how much of a pest he was then, too. But, oh, well, he threw the body a hell of a lot more this past season, too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's something about... Friedman last year just he seemed quieter but mm-hmm. maybe that's because there was so much other noise in the lineup that we forgot he was in for most of it yeah. so I don't know I, I think Shea might get the push but I could I, I wouldn't be shocked with either of them really yeah so we'll
0: have to make a friendly wager I'm betting on Mark Friedman you're betting on Ryan Shea loser has to do 100 push-ups on the YouTube channel I don't know <laughs> we'll figure something out I, see, I, I have no idea because I, I don't want to do 100 push-ups, and this is too close for me to, to risk doing that right now. So, yeah, you know but,
2: what? And we're getting near the end of the episode. Our brains are a little fried. We need some time off. A little bit of mush, and tonight. the room I'm
0: in is a hot box right now. So it is, uh, it is warm. So, you know what? That means we're going to call it. Uh, that's it <laughs> for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, one week away from the start of the season. We'll see you guys next time.